right, here we are. Here we are. Here, here we are. Here we are. Here, here we are. Here we are. <laughs> wow. Hey, this is Science in Between. This is Ollie, and that's Scott. This is Scott, and that's Ollie. And uh, this is, I. we just passed a, a milestone. Did we? We did. Is, we, it, is it a? Is it a primey milestone? No, nope. Downloads. We had a. Uh, oh. We reached. We had uh, passed six thousand downloads total. Look at that. Yeah. Look at that. So if you're one of those six thousand, which I hope you are, because you're listening to this, then you know, thanks for being here. You know? Or if you're, or if you're one of the ones who contributed more than one. Yeah. We appreciate it. Yeah. So uh, <laughs> I guess I'll set this up. Um, I was I was helping my son last night. Um, he was doing a project with, uh, his English class and he was writing an essay and he's like, dad, can, can you listen to this and give me some feedback? And he was writing about, uh, they had to pick current events articles and, you know, write a reflection or a response to it. And he picked something that's, you know, been in the news a lot lately. Um, the Kanye West stuff, and he was writing about it and he was, um, you know, responding to it from a political standpoint and um, now he's an 11th grader. And I was thinking about how his English teacher might respond to his one selecting of that topic and two, the response that my son had written. And then I started thinking, well, you know, like we do this as science teachers a good bit, you know, because there's a lot of political topics, not necessarily political topics, because I don't want to just talk about politics. I want to talk about, you know, controversial topics like topics that you know that some folks may not consider settled science right Mm. or may question or fall into areas where folks may think that they're questioning faith right and like evolution's a uh, one that i i think when you and i were start starting out as teachers that was one of the big things right is how to navigate teaching about evolution because you know there were options for students to be pulled out of your classroom, or there was all these folks that you know wanted intelligent design to be taught alongside it, you know. And how do we teach you know these controversial subjects in our class? How do we navigate that space? Not just like listing all of them, because we could certainly list them. Um, but what advice can we give to teachers who are sort of navigating that space? Yeah. Yeah. And interestingly, right as right when I came to Pennsylvania, so in 2004, when I first started at Penn State was the year that there was the Dover area school district lawsuit about um, about evolution and intelligence design in the school district. So this is, um, you know, even even evolution, which we think is much more settled science. Um, right. Has been has been a quote unquote controversial topic and and you know this response well not it's not always the same but it typically is the same which is some version of you know teach the debate um is has been the the response of people who would like to see things discussed um in like both in, sides yeah, yeah let's let, let both sides ism right right like this is like this is social studies class and we're going to discuss the pros and cons of communism versus democracy or something like like the the flat earthers like we should give like the flat the flat earthers equal time in our you know our astronomy classes yeah 
Yeah, yeah. Like, mm, let, let's teach the debate. Well, hold on. That debate happened like hundreds of years ago and we shouldn't. Yeah. But I think that one of the things that we have to do is I think I, we have to distinguish, you know, between, you know, what to think and how to think. Right. Mm-hmm. And, mm-hmm. and I think we can help students rather than standing on like a, I don't know, a soapbox and saying, hey, this is the stuff to believe because science tells us to believe it because then we get into a you know a battle of faith right mm-hmm. it gets into right. like what 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 do people believe in and they can either and that pits science against other organizations which i don't feel comfortable with those battles you yeah. know and it shouldn't be a battle yeah. i think what it what what we should present is the evidence as we have it and and how science reaches those decisions those arguments those um those theories because like Mm -hmm. you know even the you know throwing the word theory in you know they're like well if you really knew if science really knew it'd be a law right yeah yeah and which is you know for all of us in science we cringe at that sort of you know distinguish you know that sort of like differentiation because we know they're so completely different like Theories don't become laws and laws don't become theories. They're just, they're different things that do different, you know, that have different jobs in science, you know? Right. Um, And I, and I think, you know, for us, our, our focus always is on process, right. Um, In some form or another. So process, practice, things like that. So I think that's, for me, that's the most direct route into having a conversation about these things is, um, is through process, right. To say, look, there's, faith traditions, and there's lots of different kinds of faith traditions, but fundamentally faith traditions are, and it's in the label, are faith-based, right? Are, are, they don't have a process really for, for critique and, um, and evolution of those ideas, because that's not the purpose of a faith tradition. The purpose of a faith tradition is to have faith in something. Um, So there, you know, while there, there are, um, you know, people who, who are scholars in those areas and, and interpret things, um, that's not the same thing as as constantly seeking disconfirming evidence of your um, of your beliefs. Well, I, w- I would argue that, you know, there's probably, you know, faith based researchers who may in- engage in that, not necessarily the questioning faith, but looking at the evidence and looking at primary documents and looking at all that stuff. But I think that what they count as primary evidence and primary documents is different than what we can in the the science community. They just are using different, you know, do evidence. They're using different evidence and different sources and different information to reach their conclusions and different, maybe different processes. Absolutely. But, um, but I think that, you know, Finding something that was written, I don't know, two thousand years ago, uh, from an observer is different than you know what we would consider in science a you know hey here's a, a tool or here's a you know some you know device that we're using to measure something right mm-hmm. and I think that you know the the tools and the processes are 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 different and you know the goals are different I think yeah I mean I guess. That's interesting. Well, the goals are certainly different. Um, the, yeah, I mean, I think sci- science as a practice, it, 
the the fundamental notion of science is that our ideas should always be improving. We should always be testing them against new evidence. Right. Um, that we should be questioning whether the evidence current that or the, or the explanations that we currently have explain the evidence that we have to explain. Sure. Right. And uh, so I think I think there is a fundamental, um, you know, difference in process. Um, between these these two areas, I mean, even the people who are looking historically, um, they're also always looking at interpretive texts. They're always looking at something that another human has written down, right, um, at some point in the past, whereas science tries to look directly at nature, um, not to look at interpretations of nature through um, through human culture. So um, that's that's the other, I think, substantive difference in, in between, you know, faith-based or, or, you know, faith traditions and science. But, but I, I think that the, the way I envision this is not just science versus faith, right? It's, it's science in a very um, politicized space too, right? Yeah. Because like climate change, if you were teaching climate change right now, um, I think there are, that's a very politicized topic, you know, without necessarily needing to be so, right? I mean, there's lots of evidence. There's, I mean, you can just, you know, open yeah. up newspapers. You can look at weather reports. You could, you know, look at, you know, there's so much, you know, in our everyday, you know, stuff that we look at that kind of points to it. But then if you are one of the, you know, climate scientists who's looking at this, it, the evidence is pretty compelling. You know, yeah, no, and, I, I mean, it's incredibly compelling. Yeah, right. And and if you're a, you know, a teacher who are, is teaching climate science in, you know, middle school or high school, you're going to get some parents who are going to bristle at that. Mm hmm. And it's not coming from a faith-based standpoint. It's coming from a, a political standpoint. Well, I think in maybe, but I think in broad in broad strokes, it actually is coming from faith-based in, in the sense that the process that they're using is essentially the same, which is to say they're listening to authorities who are telling them. They're not looking at evidence. They're looking at um, authorities who say this is true, um, and those authorities don't have any evidence for their um, claims. They just have, you know, sort of uh, quote-unquote logic um, that they use to try and tie things together to make to make a case. So I think it's not faith in the in the more robust like faith traditions. Um, capital F about. faith, right. capital, like yeah. maybe capital R religious faith versus right. just like I have faith that my local senator knows more about climate change than than all the people who who spent their lives um, studying climate change over the last you know fifty years. Um, I mean, it's that level of faith where I have faith in this person rather than I have uh, an understanding of the of the evidence. So on some level, it is sort of a faith based um, approach. It's just that the faith is in a different kind of authority and um, certainly arguably a, a less credible one. <laughs> well, I, th I think that it, it comes back to we have to, you know, help our students be able to look at and collect evidence as best we can and help them engage in the practices of science, you know, because yeah. the, the practices of science 
are different than other practices in our the public sphere. And the more that we can arm them with those practices and and really come at it from a not getting into the the weeds of the debate or you know, prophesizing. I don't even know if I said if I said that. Proselytizing. Yeah, it was close. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, yeah. You know, you you knew what I meant. I knew what you meant. <laughs> yeah. As did our audience, I'm sure. Yeah, so they they're here for that. They're here for <laughs> they are. Ollie mangling words, you yeah. know, but um, but the the idea is that you know it, the more that we come up and and try to position ourselves as somebody who's you know teaching people how, what to think, like hey, you have to believe this because the science is, then you know it's like trying to you know this is the the polarization of our society now, right? Is yeah. You know, then it's like people go, well, I don't believe that. You can't tell me what to believe. But if we present evidence to, to say, okay, look, here's the evidence. What, how, how would you make sense of that? You know, and to help yeah. them engage in the process and help them help them think rather than because it's, it's not just going to help them with climate science. It's not just going to help them with evolution. It's not just going to help with any of those topics, but just with all things, right? right. You know, when, Cause like, I mean, even like immunology is like, that's a politicized topic. Now it's like, there's so many political topics now that, you know, what we have to do is help them navigate that by giving them the skill set to look at evidence or, you know, seek out evidence and critically think. That's right. Yeah. I mean, I think that's right. And I think, you know, it, it is interesting that, um, well, the the I was just thinking about like the the categories of things where this comes into play, right? And it comes into play um, oftentimes in phenomenon that are uh, take a long time. Let's just put it that way, right? So right. things that are Earth related, um, most often uh, evolution being you know somewhat the exception to that. But evolution, I mean, microevolution, you can see very quickly, like you can see if you have rapidly reproducing species, you can see how traits change within an organism um, or, or a population of organisms. You can watch that happening in, in within, you know, normal lifetime sort of levels of time, but getting from, uh, you know, single celled organisms to human beings like that level of, right. of evolution you can't just look at so i think um this is why some of these things become easier targets for faith-based um and also because those are the ones that tend to be most in conflict with um with historical uh descriptions that are different than the scientific one right so the idea that the earth is 5,000 years old, because the Bible, if you map backwards by generations, that's how old uh, the earth should be. Right. Well, um, you know, that that's the kind of, of tension that you get into, right? Now, now interestingly, I think the vaccines and um, and the sort of epidemiology is is somewhat a new new entrant in this collection of things that are that are getting sort of faith-based pressure, whether it's political or I think in this case is almost entirely political. It's not a, a religious right. um, issue at all. It's entirely a political faith-based um, problem. 
But there, it's not a question of of the depth of time. It's the immediacy that is is making it um, because the because the science is changing, and we've talked about this in, from moment to moment because we get more and more evidence as more and more people get sick and more and more people get to be studied and we get more data, we get more and more information about the disease. And as a result, the science is changing, which is what you, you know, and like we've said, right. we that's want the, it to do. That, is that right? Um, but that also then opens the door for this idea that, well, if you're not a hundred percent sure, then it must be wrong. Right. And I think that's, that's the interesting thing. Um, you know, the, the Feynman quote that I like so much about scientists, um, are comfortable with steady doubt um, on some level is exactly um, the opposite of the way that you should be in in a faith tradition. Yeah, and I think the other thing that impacts it is that, especially with like immunology, is that it's something that they can't see, right? And so you know, like no one's doubting you know gravity, right? No one's like gravity's not politicized or like controversial people just now at least in today's world right i mean maybe yeah. in, in you know galileo's day it was but you know well um, gravity wasn't but certainly that the earth might not be the right. center of the universe you know? sure um but the but the, the the fact that we can see things like the things that the everyday person can use with their senses or view or access with their senses but as soon as it leaves from that, either going really big or really small or long periods of time, this is the, you know, this whole concept of, of scale and size and, and magnitude, things that are outside of the individual's person, the individual person's ability to, to sense the thing, it then becomes a, well, who do you believe, mm -hmm. you know? And I think right. that for me, it's, it's been, you know, about, about, about science. It's like, what, let's bring the, that evidence, but sometimes the, evidence is so you know out there right it's so you know like the evidence well it's like you know um you know the flat earthers right there's a whole flat earth community that is like active on because they were like well i haven't seen the evidence well there is evidence right it's mm -hmm. like just because they haven't seen it right and it's like well or they don't believe it right or they don't believe it and it's like well the world like from my perspective the world is flat right and and th then it's like, well, engage, engage in the process and like helping right. them seek out the evidence. But then we also have to, in some ways, as science, science teachers, help them understand how that evidence is collected, like how that evidence and like build that understanding. So it's not just about like believing what you see and what you hear and, and so on, but then broadening that so that they have a better sense of, you know, this evidence is credible credible because this is how it was collected yeah no. yeah i mean i think that's part of the problem um and i think this is often the framing of folks um you know again who are trying to overturn science in schools is they frame it as a do you believe in science and it's like well that's the wrong question and it's not even it's not even a question really because question you know fundamentally science is not a belief-based thing it's a process it's a well-articulated and and well-established process for investigating the world it's not a belief system right so the things that we have in science are not about belief or not belief they're about 
evidence-based explanations. And so right. as soon as you get in the conversation about do you believe in science or do you believe in religion? Well, you've already framed the debate in terms of religion, right? You've you, you've framed it in terms of, well, this is about belief and it's not about belief. It's it's um, it's about evidence. And, you know, you can look at the evidence and say, I don't agree with the evidence or you can say, I don't believe the interpretation or the explanation of this particular group of scientists. You can say that. But the whole point of science is to have as many people do this as possible and uh, and investigate the same thing. And, you know, when you look at how many people are putting their their attention to these things and how much data has been collected and how much thinking has been done about this, it's a very different process than thinking about, oh, well, these are, you know, these are stories that were written down by a, a small group of individuals and then and then translated over time to people. And that's not the same thing as we have all these people over centuries, really, for many things, looking at data and collecting new data and doing new experiments and constantly trying to understand if our current understanding is robust. So the whole process is so different. Um, but I think the the one thing we haven't that maybe we need to take a step back into is, so what does that mean for how we deal with this in the classroom? Because I right. think this is a very philosophical conversation, which we like to have, Yeah. but, uh, but it doesn't necessarily help somebody who's like, well, yeah, but I got to teach evolution next week. And I've got, you know, parents sending in letters saying that they don't want their kids to participate in those conversations. Right. And they, and they see it from a perspective of this teacher is going to indoctrinate my kid with, right. with all of this science business. Yeah. You know, with, with specifically anti-religious business. Right. Right. I mean, I think that, and I think that's the challenge is how to position science as um, not in opposition to, but in parallel to faith-based traditions. And you can look at, I mean, the the tradition of scientists who are strongly religious is, is very long, right? Right. There's, there's a lot of people who have, who are very good scientists who also are very, have very strong faith associations. So it's not like they're incompatible with each other. No, I think, I think that what, if, if, if you're a teacher or if I was a teacher and I was going to be teaching evolution next week and I knew that my, because of I'm, I'm teaching in a really, you know, uh, I'm teaching in a community in which I know that's going to stir up some, some trouble. The one thing I would do is I would one, I'd make sure I, I communicated, you know, the process. I would try to be as open and transparent as possible to try to get out ahead of it. Um, but I think the other part is, you know, staying in your lane, you know, and, and, by that, I mean, is, and we've kind of done a little bit of this, you know, strayed from our lane, is that the lane is science and, mm-hmm. and, and approaching it from, okay, we're going to look at what the evidence is for this topic and not entertaining. It's not a debate between science versus whatever, right? It's right. here's what science, because it's a science class. Yeah. And, it's not science versus anything because it's not, those are fundamentally, they ask different questions, right? And, and, mm. and they engage in different processes and they use different evidence bases. And so, you know, in some ways when we do that versus it's like playing by two different rules or, you know, it's like, you know, 
playing Monopoly and also playing chess. They're different games. Mm -hmm. And so I think that the more that we stay within the lane of science and we communicate that, that like, look, in no way is this going to be like a science versus anything that it's going to be, we're going to bring this, the scientific evidence to bear on, on the conversation and that I'm going to help my students um, engage with that evidence and draw evidence-based conclusions from that and help them understand how the scientific community reaches those conclusions. Right. Um, not from a standpoint of this is how, you know, like we killed God or how we, you know, right. like anything like that, like how we, you know, cause that's not the goal. Like, I don't think anybody, you know, any science teachers like seeking to do that. Well, I mean, maybe, I don't know, who knows, but like, but I think that what we have to do is to make sure, you know, as a teacher, you're transparent and that you communicate what the, the goals of the lesson lessons are, you know? Yeah. And that I think, you know, Again, it's so much about how we respond to our kids and their experiences and their culture and how they bring what they bring into the classroom, right? So you can respond respectfully to kids who bring this kind of, um, you know, who bring faith-based reasoning or religious reasoning or political faith-based reasoning into a conversation in science class, right? Which is to say, look, we're, we're not here to debate these things. We're here to investigate these things. And investigation requires looking for evidence. And so that's what we're going to do. And we have a specific phenomenon in this case that we're investigating, and we're going to work towards investigating that phenomenon with the, with the tools that we have available to us. Um, and so you can bring in whatever ideas you want, but they need to they need to both be evidence-based and they need to explain the phenomenon that we're trying to understand. So, um, you know, that, that is, a returning to those pieces and saying, this is not about disrespect to you or to the way that your, your view of the world, this is about what we're trying to learn in this class, which is what's the process of investigating phenomena in the natural world. Um, I mean, it's still sticky. It's still a sticky process. Yeah. It's still going to be something that, you know, if I was a science teacher, I mean, thankfully, you and I, I mean, we, we both taught physics. So there wasn't a whole lot of, you know, areas where this happened in, in my, right. my content area and our content area. Um, it mostly happens in, you know, biology with evolution. It mainly happens, that I think, more so now with, with climate change. Um, but like, it's, it, it, yeah, in some communities, it's, it's a, um, a process they want their teachers and their students to go through, mm -hmm. you know? Um, and then others, like you, you, you talked about Dover. Um, when we, when I, I moved out here, that was when I moved into central Pennsylvania, that was a huge, and I was like a huge controversy. And I was like, where the heck am I moving? Right. It's like, yeah. you know, it was like almost what's that, what's the Spencer Tracy movie? The, uh, you know, Look who's the, coming to dinner. No, not that <laughs> one. The one about the, um, Oh, the scope. the scope trial, yeah, yeah. You know, it yeah, was yeah. like, hold on, this I've 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 seen this movie. It was in black and white. <laughs> yeah, right. Spencer Tracy won, I think, an Oscar for this. And yeah, you know, and yeah, yeah. So, I mean, I, I don't know. I think that we we have to be really mindful of the fact that these are difficult conversations to have with students, and I think that's um, right. But that but doesn't do mean. Well, that doesn't mean we avoid them. I think that we just take great care in how we set them up and that we, and more than anything, that's when we have to make sure that people understand what science is all about. 
Like that is, I think, what what the crucial part of because it's not science is, you know, this. I I keep coming back to the big book of you know facts. It's not that. Like because then the big book of facts is setting up against the big book of faith, you know, and the big book of facts is, is is not really that it's a it's in a, a process of engagement and a process uh it's a practice of collecting evidence and drawing conclusions and and what we count as evidence and also the fact that our conclusions are always being revised and always being like we're trying to gather new evidence and trying to see if we can refute the the and that's a different thing yeah you know? but i but i also think um i mean all that's true and we also um, deal with this again. I mean, I think with with the general answer that we have to all the questions we have about science teaching, which is, well, this problem mostly crops up when it's the teacher talking all the time, right? Um, because that's the place where you get accusations of indoctrination and you're telling me that my religion is not real or whatever it is, right? Whereas if what you're doing is you're saying, look, we're going to investigate how it is that we got so many different kinds of dogs walking around, um, even though that we call them all dogs and they seem to be related to each other. Um, and we're going to develop some investigations of why that happens. Right. And, and that investigation will lead us to an understanding of the concept of evolution. Right. Because that's, that's what um, the, the activities or the, the unit or whatever is designed to do. But you're not standing up and saying evolution is true and creationism is wrong um, because you don't you're not standing up and saying anything really. Right. Right. What you're doing is guiding an investigation into a phenomenon. And so I think these things become less of an issue if you have if you're standing up saying, yeah, humans evolved from apes um, and apes evolved from lower life forms and those lower life forms evolved from single celled organisms over, you know, billions of years. Well, now you're in a, you're in, you are on some level in a debate because you've put out a, a directly contradictory notion to, um, faith-based tradition. Um, and so then you have to deal with this more directly, but if the, but if the way that your class is organized is, Look, what we do in here is we investigate phenomenon. Um, so this is a phenomenon we're investigating. This is not about me telling you what the answers are from any big book. You know, to your point about the big book of answers, like this is about us working out what we see as the answers, given the evidence that we have and the thing that we're trying to investigate. Just uh, to cycle back, uh, it was Inherit the Wind. and. And Inherit the Wind came out in 1960, and I don't think he won an Oscar for that. So just to kind of like, uh, yeah, clear up the record. Clear clear up that piece of trivia that nobody really cared about anyway. But that's okay. okay. I like that. Yeah, well, the trivia. Well, it's, I mean, you never know. Someone's going to listen to this and think, oh, hold on. Hold on. Yeah. It is uh, based on the 1925 Scopes Monkey Trial. Yeah. You know, yes, it and, and it also starred uh, the um, what uh, the guy from Bewitched. So, oh, yes, yes, um, which one though? There were multiple Darren's, there were multiple Darren's. I think it was Darren number one, I think the, it was the, the original Darren. Yes, it okay. was. Yeah, there you go. Yeah, um, so 
So there you go. Digging, digging deeper into the trivia that no one cares about. I mean, well, you never know. Fantastic. There could be that one person out there. That's what I bring. I bring so much to the table. Um, mispronunciations of words. I bring trivia. I, trivia you know, that maybe only one person cares about. Yeah, but that or, one person or, is finding great joy. Yeah, you this. made so maybe that's a good transition for us to uh, sure. to talk about joys because I think we, I mean, to to I don't know if we need to put a bow on it, but I I do think um the the main thing to do in the context of these controversial issues is is again to focus on the process look here's what we're doing we're investigating stuff here so let's look at the evidence that we have and the explanations that we have and see what we think is the best explanation for the evidence we have rather than saying oh w- what other traditions might tell us something that could be an alternative to this well that's not really what we're we're trying to accomplish and I think that's, you know, I like how you cycled back around to, you know, this, you know, ambitious science teaching, because I think that, you know, selecting phenomena to study is and and positioning it from that yeah. rather than having us as as science teachers being experts, because then we are, you know, viewed in the same way as any other person who's you know, spouting something to right. to believe in, but this is something where they have to engage in. They have to engage in the process, and I think that's where the the selection of topics or selection of phenomenon is so critical. And yeah. I think you know, and maybe that's something that we should dig into a little bit more is like selecting phenomenon for navigating controversial, controversial topics. topics. Yeah, that's yeah. a that. Yeah, we can do that. Yeah, that's a cool idea. It's a follow up. Yeah. So there you go. All right, Joyce. Um, you have one or you want me to start? Uh, I'll let you start. I'm still thinking right. for a minute. So I um just recently I, I saw a uh a a poet. He's I guess he's a poet. Um he is a poet. I don't, I don't guess he is. Um there's a guy named Ross Gay who's from Indiana University. He's actually like a, a friend uh of mine. He's somebody who I used to play basketball with when I was teaching because I taught with his brother, Matt. Um, Ross is um, from the Indiana University in Bloomington, and um, he's all over NPR and and things. He wrote a book um, just a handful of years ago called The Book of Delights, where what he was doing was he was writing every day on something to delight in. And so he forced himself to write 365 essays about delight. And um, and he was on sort of like this um, this circuit talking about this and so he's been on things like you know code switch and on being and the science of happiness and like mm-hmm. you know it's, it's been weird because i'd be like driving my car i'd hear him i'm like hey that's ross <laughs> um so he has a new book coming out um called inciting joy which is a bunch of essays about joy and the thing and i heard him speak just really recently and um it was the sort of like the preview party for the book um because it's, it's going to be released i think later this week um, or depending on when you're listening to it, it may have already released. Um, mm-hmm. But uh, the book is – what's what's interesting is um, how he connects joy to, to sorrow and that mm-hmm. how these two things are, um, are together and how that – you know, you can't navigate joy without experiencing sorrow. Um, and so he had – um, when I saw him speak, he read two essays that were connected to that. And and having been, you know, friends with Matt for, you know, like two decades, um, you know, I know where some of that sorrow comes from because, you know, I was, 
know, and this is this is something Ross talks about directly in his books is about the how his father passed away. And so, you know, I um, I was friends with Matt when, you know, that all went down. But it's um, it's just interesting to see how he spins that sorrow into to joy and the things he finds joy in and and the practices and rituals of of that which is kind of cool so yeah inciting joy by ross gay uh check him out you'll find his his essays are not like i mean they're deep you're gonna think a lot you're gonna you know feel a lot but it's also funny he's also because he's like this kind of a cool guy he's he's you know has an interesting take on the world you know so ross ross gay ross gay inciting joy cool thanks yeah um, so I'm going to go a little bit of a different direction. So it, it's, um, something that I love to do, uh, particularly my daughters and I, and my, my wife is an, uh, sometimes participant in this, but, um, but that is watching premier league football. So, um, I, I am a, a soccer player from when I was in high school, um, and I've always really liked the sport, but about, I don't know, five or six years ago, I started really, I've never been a huge, like sports on TV guy. Like I'm, I don't mind it, but I, d- I wouldn't like organize my life around it. Um, but, um, but for the last few years, I've been really interested in following and watching a lot of premier league football. So, um, so, and you know, I'm sure it was, it's, it's been even more encouraged by shows like Ted Lasso, which I found, you know, wonderful, of course. Um, but, um, but I just, I really enjoy it. Um, it's, it's, uh, unlike, uh, American football, um, premier league football is relatively time constrained and very, you know, exactly how long the, the game's going to be on give or take within a few minutes. So, um, so you can, you can schedule it much easier and you can pop in and out of it in ways that you can't. And I think in other sports, which I really enjoy. Um, but my team is Liverpool. Um, and they, they have been, I've had, I have other teams that I sort of root for. Um, but, uh, but Liverpool has been my team. So, um, so yeah, if, if you've never watched a premier league game, I, I recommend it, but it's, it's one of those things that you sort of have to, um, either know the game a bit or, or be willing to watch a few games before you really get into it and understand um, because they're not high scoring affairs, right? A lot of it is about watching the tactics and the movements and the building up and the um, it's, it's not as much about scoring like, like it is um, in, in many other sports. So um, yeah. that said, you know, huge fan and uh you know, the other thing I like about it is it's, it's because it's all happening in England, it means the games are on early in the morning. So, uh, so I can watch them and then feel like I still have a bunch of my day left to, to be productive and do other stuff or be unproductive and not do other stuff, but I get to choose. Sure. Yeah. So, well, I mean, I'm, I'm pretty stoked. I, I would say I'm like a sometimes uh soccer slash football fan. Um, yeah. definitely with the, when the world cup comes around, which this is a sure. world cup year. Um, but but I I've wanted to engage with Premier League, but it's like something that you know I didn't really even know soccer existed till I was like seventeen or eighteen years old. I mean mm-hmm. that's and so um, 
it was really hard for me to then go, okay, hold on. What, what is this for? And now, now I have a better idea of like how it is, but it's like, I don't have a team. I don't know the teams a whole lot. So it's kind of hard to like, to, to like have an entry point. Like, it's like, you almost need a, like a beginner's guide to becoming a soccer fan. Like who, what team should you, are you like, or you take a test and you like, Hey, you should be this fan or something. Not that I want to just pick something, but like, it's, I mean, certain teams and things have cultures, right? Like, Oh, they all do. Yeah. Right. Right. And so being a fan, like of one team, you know, says something about that person versus being a fan about another team says something about that person. And, you know, I'm sure some listener was going, Oh, Scott's a Liverpool fan. That makes sense. You know, but somebody else is going, Oh, Liverpool. Oh, that, you know, and that's lost on me, you know, that's lost on what, because like there's, you know, a whole culture there that is something I have no access point to. Yeah. And I think, I mean, I think the truth of it is like any sport that, that if you really want it, if you really care, want to be engaged, you, you sort of do have to pick a team and then, and then follow that team for a while, because, you know, a big piece of this is like knowing the players, know how, knowing how they play week to week, knowing the sort of drama of that part of the the sport right so it's not just necessarily watching the individual athleticism of what's going on though that can be amazing too but that doesn't get you like engaged with a team so i do think on some level you have to sort of pick a team um you know there if if there are people out there looking for a team and they don't want to choose liverpool for whatever reason um one team that right now in the premier league might be a, a team that you could consider watching or, or being a fan of is Leeds United. And the, and the reason for that is because they have an American manager. So he is um, the first American manager of a premier league soccer team. Um, and there are some Americans on the team too. So if it now that said Leeds is not having a great season. So, um, so who knows if he'll continue to be manager, sure. but, um, but that that's, if you're looking for an excuse and looking for a team to root for, uh, they could certainly use your help. And, um, and the, it's a good cause because Jesse Marsh, um, is, you know, a, a, a path breaking, uh, American manager. So, um, so anyway, and man, sorry, manager is coach in, in, uh, in, premier league soccer so that means he's the coach of the team he's on the sidelines he's the gaffer as they'd say yeah well i mean i you know where we are where we live in central pennsylvania christian Pulisic is you know a local that's true and so that's another point that somebody might want to jump into he's a chelsea player so yeah yeah the only problem with Pulisic right now is he's not playing very much so that's but that's a that's a that see if you're in the world you'd know about the controversy of christian Pulisic being arguably one of the great strikers in the premier league right now, but he's not getting a lot of play time for Chelsea. So mm. Mm. see, mm. now we're getting in the weeds. We are. All right. No. And we're losing listeners like, yeah, mad. Like, yeah <laughs> run away. All right. Well, you know, I guess we'll catch you next time in between. See you then. Bye now.